beloved, we welcome you to an atmosphere for divine path towards heaven. Comment by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Lord God has spoken, saying, Buttons are falling from the hands of men. Raise me men and women who will pick up those buttons, thus building an intimate relationship with me and the people. And also saying, He said, If my word abide, abide, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate the word of God. When you receive the word of God, you meditate. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the ways of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. This is the word of the Lord from Pastor Iti Robert Eyu. Managing Kingdom Resources We talked about becoming kingdom focused Accepting kingdom responsibility Developing the kingdom attitude And this fourth Sunday we are talking about Managing kingdom resources So it's all about the kingdom Thank you, Father. It is working. It is working. It is working. It's working. Grace is working for me. It is working. It is working. It is working, it is working, oh, it's working, grace is working for me. Say, oh, grace is working, is working for me, is working for me, is working for me. Oh, it is working, it is working, it is working, it is working, it is working for us.
six months of this year. Thank you, Father. Luke chapter 15. We are going to read from verse 11 to 14. Managing kingdom resources. Now we are going to read again Luke 19, 12 to 13. And I'll tell you the remaining story because of time. Are you in Luke chapter 15? I read from verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. They were his sons, they were in his house, they were born again. Talking, spirit filled, and the younger one of them, because he's not matured in faith, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goose that falleth to me. And his father divided unto him his living. And that's what many people, the young Christian, come to church for. They are not waiting for God to mature them. As soon as they enter the church, I have been told that healing pertains to me. I'm born again now. Give me my healing. Give me my blessing. Give me my husband. Give me what I want. And God knows that you are entitled to it. And the Bible says straight away, God gives it to them. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. And he took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his blessings, his substance, his resources with rioters living. He lacked responsibility. He became worldly focused instead of becoming kingdom focused. He lacked the attitude of thriftiness. So he wasted his blessing. Wasted his strength, wasted his talents, wasted his gifts in riotous living. It will not be a waste in the name of Jesus. Luke in chapter 19, we read from verse 12. Let's start from 11. That's where the statement started before we enter into the parable. And as they had these things, he added and spake a parable. That's the second parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And as soon as they get born again, the kingdom of God, the blessings of God should immediately be handed over to them. Jesus said that that's not how it works in the kingdom. It's a process and he gave them a parable. 
He said, therefore, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return and he called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them occupy till I come verse 15 and it came to pass that when he was returned having received the kingdom then he commanded the servant to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man has gathered by trading Thank you, Father. We're talking about managing kingdom resources. And we just read the parable of two people that Jesus uses as an illustration. In Luke chapter 15 and in Luke chapter 19. From the scripture, we discover that Jesus often uses parable to illustrate the kingdom of God. Before Jesus passes across any teaching, he first tells them a parable. What is a parable? A parable is a simple story. That is used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. A simple story that illustrates a moral or spiritual lesson. In other words, you can say a parable is an earthly story used to communicate heavenly truths. An earthly story that is used to communicate heavenly truths. Something that is brought down to earth to your understanding. And from the parable we read this morning, there are certain truths that I'd like us to understand. From the parable of the prodigal son and the parable of the ten talents. I told you that a parable is an earthly story used to communicate heavenly truths. And Jesus likes speaking in parable. And from the two scriptures we read this morning, there are some certain truths I want us to understand about kingdom resources. The first truth I like us to understand from those two parables is that God owns everything, both in heaven and on earth, including you. God is the owner of everything. From that parable, you discover that the master, the father there, signifies God, the property there. Is owned by the father. The son had nothing. From the parable of Luke 19, Jesus was also communicating heavenly truths to them to make them understand that the master owns everything. He only gave it to them by his own discretion. So the first truth you need to understand as a Christian is that God is the owner of everything, both in heaven and on earth. God owns everything. Everything on earth belongs to him. He said the silver, the gold, the land, the mineral resources, 
even you everything belongs to God including power First Chronicles and chapter 29 if you read from verse 11b it says all that is in heaven and all that is in the earth is thine thine is the kingdom both riches and honor comes from you Agai chapter 2 and verse 8 says the silver is mine the gold is mine saith the Lord of hosts verse 14 of that first chronicles and chapter 2 29 verse 14 says all things come from thee and of thy own have we gotten them so there is nothing that belongs to us that's the first thing we need to understand everything in the world including you including your husband so nothing is yours you have no right to claim anything the second truth i like us to understand from that parable is that god has entrusted or given all his resources on earth to us to manage that he gave his younger son what pertained to the younger son he gave it as an entrustment for the son to manage it the bible says a certain man called his servants his children and he gave them ten talents every time you hear the word talent you talk about money no that's not what that thing means talent encompasses so many things in those days he entrusted everything he had to them and the bible says he went on a far journey to do what to go and prepare a place for them and when he returned he expects them to give him an account of what they did with what he has entrusted to them so the second truth is that god has entrusted everything that he has to you to me to manage so we are managers of god's estates managers of god's resources managers of god's property we are stewards of god's kingdom and a steward is one who manages another man's resources or property for him A steward is one who is in charge of his master's property. The Bible says, what is it that you have that you have not received? 1 Corinthians and chapter 4 verse 7. What do you have that you have not received? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 to 20. He said, all we are and all we have belongs to God. You have been bought with a price. You don't own yourself. God owns you. And God has given you to you to manage. So you are not only managing property. You are not only managing land. You are not only managing material things. You are also managing yourself. The Bible says your body is the temple of God. So God owns your body. Somebody said it's my life. 
I can do whatever I like with my life. It's not your life. You have been bought. It's somebody else's life that you are living. Paul says, the life that I now live is not mine. I am living the life of Christ. I have been bought with a price. So the way you manage this life, you give an account of it. I was told a story that a man called his servant and he gave that servant a horse to go and deliver a message. But on the way, that servant killed the horse because he didn't take care of the horse. So he was not able to go on that far journey to deliver the message that his master sent him. He died in the desert. And what is that us? Your body. Your spirit man lives in your body. And the way you take care of this body will determine whether you will fulfill God's purpose or God's assignment on earth. Take care of your body. Don't misuse your body. Not only for fornication, take care of your body. Listen, do you know why we eat? Do you know why we sleep? Do you, do you know why we take care of our body and rest? We are taking care of our body because we need this body to do the assignment and the task that God has given to us. Maybe you don't know why you are taking care of your body. So a few times in my life I've been down. And every time I am down, I always pray. I say, God, have mercy on me. In any way, I have carelessly used this body. And for the past one month now, I've not been able to do what you asked me to do because I have misused the resources of my body that you gave to me. Forgive me. Make me responsible to be able to manage my body. I used to tell my son, perfect. God's hand is upon you. Take care of your body. You eat sugar a lot. You drink cold water a lot. You see biscuit, you buy. You see this one, you buy. What you do with your body now that you are young. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember now the Lord in the days of your youth. You know why? Take care of yourself when you are young because you need that body to fulfill God's assignments. So don't misuse your body. You are not taking care of your body for your wife. Many of you don't even know the reason you take care of your body. You buy cream. You buy extra bonbon. You buy that. That's not the essence of why God created you. That body is meant to be used for the kingdom. It's for the kingdom. That's why God is so concerned with your body. You know why? He owns it. He doesn't want you to mismanage it. Not because of yourself. Because it's an investment. That he needs a return from. And when you die young. You will go and ask God. What you did with the resources of your body. That he gave to you. God. Owns everything. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Including you. And God has entrusted everything that he owns, including your body, to you to take care of. You are not taking care of your wife because you want your wife to give birth to good babies for you. You are taking care of your wife because your wife belongs to God. And you need your wife to bring good children that will do the work of God. Everything is about the kingdom. So you should be kingdom focused. He says seek first. Let the reason why you are taking care of your body be for the use of the kingdom. Nothing on earth is owned by us. Our management of 
these resources that is given to us by God will determine how far we are going to go in life. The question you like to ask yourself when you have a property and you entrust that property to someone is it because you cannot take care of the property? Is it because the property is too much for you? The question you need to ask yourself, which the prodigal son never asked himself, is that why did my father divide the portion of what he has and gave half to me? Why? Why did my father entrust such things to me? Why did God put me in charge of this ministry? Why did God entrust your life, your growth, into my hands as a shepherd? Why did God entrust the cleaning of the church to you? Why did God entrust the playing of the music to you and not to me? Why did he give you a good voice and he didn't give it to this other sister? Why did he entrust you with that voice? Somebody gave you those voice. It's not your own. That's why nobody else can sing like you. It's a resources. It's an investment that God gave to you. He owns it and he entrusts his resources to you. Why does God or why did God entrust the management of that resources to you? One, to test your faithfulness and your integrity. To test your faithfulness, your integrity and your loyalty in handling and managing those resources. And the Lord tests Abraham and God said to Abraham, Abraham, give me what I gave to you. To test you. To see how thrifty you are. How greedy you are. How responsible you are. Have you ever given a bottle of Coke to your baby? Maybe two years, three years. And after about five minutes, you ask that baby, Come and pour smart for me. And the baby says, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. What has that baby just shown? Greed. You own the coke. The baby never asked you to give him the coke to buy. You chose to give that coke to the baby. Now, you needed a little. Not because you are hungry or you are thirsty of that coke. Because if you are thirsty and desperately need a coke, you won't ask for your baby, from your baby. God says, if I need anything, I won't ask you. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. When I ask you to give to me, it's not because I need it. I own it. And if I want to get it anywhere without getting it from you, I will still get it. God is testing you. One, how faithful you are with what he has given to you. Why did he give them 10 pounds and ask them to go and trade with it? And the first thing he told them, well done, thou good. Did you understand something from that parable? There was nobody there to supervise them. That's responsibility. We live in a world that if pastor doesn't, is not there to tell you or to supervise you, if your guy is not there, you won't do the work. The moment your guy comes, I service starts. That's the faithfulness. God wants to see how faithful. And for those of us that have been missing the weekly service, please don't. And I told them one hour online every Wednesday. Before you join us in the service, connect with us. Don't miss any service this time. It's very important. Well done, thou good 
and loyal, faithful servants. Why did God entrust his resources to you? One, to test your faithfulness. How faithful you have been. And I told you what faithfulness is. Two, in 1 Corinthians and chapter 4 and verse 2, we're told it is required that a man be found faithful in what? In stewardship. Luke and chapter 12, if you read from verse 45, Jesus gave a parable. He said, what manner of you will his master hand over a kingdom to, a talent to, and the master goes out? And because the master delay in coming, he abandons that thing and he walks away. Because the master just delayed a little. And they come home, as he just go, you just drop your tools. That's eye service. Second, why did God entrust you with his resources? To test how responsible and thrifty we are with those resources. The meaning of thriftiness is management of little things and turning it into a big one. God gave you. That's why God never starts by giving you plenty. He gives you little. And he says you have been faithful in little. We started this work with no member. Nothing. Only me. Go to the eastern part of Lagos. God never gave me an accommodation. He, know, he didn't give me money. He didn't give me anything. He just gave me little. The only money I had to come to Pedro was 50 naira. That's what brought us into this land. And we are faithful with it. When we started this church, this is not the keyboard we are using. The first keyboard we used in this church never got spoiled. I was faithful, painting it, cleaning it. Because there are other ministries that are going to start the way we started. So when I saw one, God saw we have been faithful with that mini keyboard. He brought another one. We handed over that one to another one, another man who started little. This generation never does that. They want to start big. God entrusted you with his resources. One, to test how faithful and loyal you are. Two, to test how responsible you are with the resources that he has given unto you. To test how faithful. Two, to test how responsible you are with the resources. Three, why did God entrust us with his resources? To know how creative, how innovative, and how productive you are in bringing in a large return from what is given to you. God wants to see how creative that you are. How have you been able to expand? How have you been able to bring in innovations? Can you see what men are doing on earth? When we entered into this land, this place was full of excreta. All the witches in Pedro Bariga, this is where they do meeting. Here, 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 here. One day someone came to the church and found a bed dead. And he said, Pastor, bed don't die here. I said, do you know what was here before this building was built? And God wanted to give me a land. I have prepared a place and a people for you. When God brought you, you were raw materials. Many of you didn't know John 3.16. Many of you were fornicators. Many came here naked. We taught them how to dress. But they were resources. Raw resources. And by creativity, by innovation, by productivity, we were able to turn those raw materials 
into finished goods. Many are in church. They are looking for finished products. God, I need somebody to play, play this keyboard. I need somebody to play this keyboard. We need people to sing in the choir. And when God wants to bring, God brings one guy with voice like frog. You say, open your mouth and sing. Oh, you say, you are not a choir member. Go and sit down. You know why? You are looking for fresh finished products. But God never gives a man finished products. He gave him five. And he went. And he said, come on. When he returned, he said, Master, you gave me five. I have been able to bring creativity, innovation. I have been able to be productive. I have turned what you gave me into ten. He said, well done. You know why God was angry with Moses? Moses complained. He called God's people stiff, naked people. He called them useless people. God, you wanted to give me something? You brought useless people for me. David needed men to fight. David was anointed by God to become a king. The day God anointed him, trouble started in his life. And he ran. And I expected God. Somebody that they are pursuing to kill. God should have sent Goliath to help him. At least when Moses came to the wilderness, saw ten Goliath, said, we are here. Who are you? He said, we came from heaven to fight. Because Saul wants to kill you. So God sent us. David would have said, Ranka Dede. God, thank you. But the Bible says, men, that we are in debt. Is that the people you sent to come and help a man in trouble? We started church. God said, I prepared a people and a place for you. The first set of people God brought. The offering of the church is 1,000 naira. We will use 900 naira to give them. Some will come to church, put 50 naira offering. When they are going back, we will give them 150 as transport. And at the end of the day, there will be nothing to run the church. Men that were in debt. Men that had nothing. God brought them to see how productive. You know why many fail in church? They are not productive. They are not creative. They are not innovative. Raw materials were given to you. What did happen? They let the come meeting. They let they do this one. They are useless set of people. Look at is irresponsible. Yes, God brought an irresponsible person physically for you to make them responsible. Because when you came in, you were also irresponsible. Somebody made you responsible. Number four, why did God and trust you with his resources. You call men that are in debt. You call Onigbese. You call them resources. What kind of resources are those people? But you could see the resources at the end of the day. David trained them. They became mighty men and women. To conquer cities. Mighty men that can sing in the choir. That can watch album. And they felt that they have arrived. When we started this ministry. The first set of people were useless. Our first keyboard is land keyboard here. He was a bassist. He came in here, learned keyboard. And as far as he's concerned, he learned it. He didn't know that it was a gift that God entrusted to him. Because it wasn't there when you came. Somebody found it and, you know, brought it out. After about two years, they released an album. They came into the office and said, Pastor, you know what? We want to divide the choir. One will be new wine cruise. Another one will be new wine choir. We want to be taking appointment outside. I said, no problem. Whatever God gives to you that you misuse, he takes it back. That you know how to sing today does not mean that you know how to sing tomorrow. It's a gift and it can be taken. That you know how to preach today doesn't mean you can preach tomorrow. It's a gift. He said, take it from that one that fails to use it and give it to the man that has what? That has productivity. Because he who has more shall be given to him. And the one that has only 10 members and is envious of the man that has 5,000 members. Listen to me. If God gives you 5,000 members, you can't handle them. Because the 10 he gave you, you are complaining. To whom much is given, much is expected. 
people don't think because God loves them more than you. It's your capacity. He gave them according to their several ability. He was the one that put the ability there. And the one that had five is not better than the one that had one. It's what God gave to him that he used. And God will not require from you what he has not given to you. Number four, why did God entrust you with his resources? To test our loyalty to the king. You know what they mean by loyalty? Loyalty means enduring commitment. Enduring commitment. Enduring commitment. I told you the story of a man that died and they were taking the man to the funeral. To the, I mean, cemetery to bury him. Everybody was crying. The man had children. The man had wives. But the man had one dog. A dog. And the dog was following them. He wasn't crying. Tears was not coming out from his eyes. The wife cried more than the dog. The children cried more than the dog. The friends of the man cried more than the dog. As far as everybody is concerned, they are more committed and loyal to the man than the dog. The dog is just an ordinary dog. They go to the mortuary. Buried the man. I mean to the cemetery. Buried the man. The wife went home. The children went home. Friends went home. And they left the man there. On the ground. And the dog stood. Sat on the grave of that man. He didn't eat. Nothing. Ten days later. When they came to put flour on the grave of the man. They met the dog there. Dead. I die with you. Your God shall be my God. Where you go, I will go. That's what they call enduring commitment. Most of us are not committed to God. You are only in church when it is sweet. When that man had money, he bought Gesha for the dog. Bought Shawama. The dog was eating all. But when the man died and had nothing to offer the dog, the dog stayed put. In good times and in bad times. In the valley, in the mountain, I'm committed. But we have goody goody Christian today. They're only in church. And that's why the preachers are preaching to them. God is only, you are only committed to God when things are good. If it's not good, leave them. So everybody prophesies. God is about to bless you. God will turn you around. All the handbill. There's no one about suffering. Let me print an handbill today. And say how you will suffer with Christ. You won't see anybody in that program. But that's part of Christianity. That's part of the kingdom. Loyalty. Enduring commitments. God wants to see how come. Sometimes God withdraws do you know what Paul says? He said, we have learned to follow God. No matter the circumstances. In sickness. In life. In, did you say in sickness? Yeah? That means that there are some sickness that you seek. It is not your sin that brought it. It is not sin. God wants to see your loyalty. You are sick. You are not in church. Waiting happen. But you are in the hospital. But you can't come to church. In sickness, in want, in peril, in death, in suffering. That's loyalty. Leave this 21st century preaching that we are preaching. That's not Christianity. The cross is part of Christianity. He said, let every man carry his cross and follow me. I followed God. I've gotten to the point of death. I was thinking that I won't survive the next day. And on the bed, I was still praying. In death, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, listen to me, we'll still follow him. That's what they call loyalty. 
Peter that said, I will die with you. When, they, when Jesus began to suffer, they said, are you not part of disciples? He said, God forbid. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, he said, the righteous dies and no man taketh it to heart. They didn't know that God is taking them away from the evil to come. It's not all death that is caused by sin. Fine. God says you will live long. With long life that will I satisfy you. What is your definition of long life? Long life is that you have fulfilled what God asks you to come and do. When you finish your work, you go. That's long life. Long life is not 80. It's not 100. Go and see a man of 100 years. He's a burden. He's a pain. His children are waiting for him to die. He's lonely. He's praying for death. That's not long life. A good artist leaves the stage when the ovation is loud. That's when you have fulfilled ministry. When the ovation is loud, you leave the stage. You will be remembered. Praise God. Loyalty means committed in a long period of time. Long. One year, two years, nothing has happened. Three years, nothing has happened. Four years, nothing has happened. And you keep doing what you are doing. Just being faithful with what you are doing. All the idea you are bringing it, nothing is working, keep doing it. Listen to me. God withholds his resources from poor managers. When God gives you a thing and you don't know how to manage it, God withhold it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 5. The Bible says, for God has not caused it to rain. God has not caused it to rain in your family. God has not caused it to rain financially in your church. God has not caused it to rain numerically in your church. God has not caused it to rain physically in your office. Why? Because there is no man to do what? To till the ground. He has not found a manager. A responsible person to handle it. Choir is not growing. Choir is not growing. They are not. If God increase the choir to 500 members. Who will manage it? Which man? Is it the man that has not been able to manage five? For God has not caused it to rain. Listen, the problem is never with God. The resources are available. But God does not hand over resources to poor managers. The resources were there. The rain was there. But God withhold the rain. Because he has not found a man to manage it. If he pours the rain down, it will be wasted. And God is not a waster. Until you become a good manager of resources. Listen to me. The first car God gave me was a starlet. After all the prayer. And this will testify. I washed that motto the way I'm taking my bath. My son said, Daddy, don't bring this motor to school. My mates told me that you are mommy. You are driving Kabu Kabu. Because actually the car, the car looks like Kabu Kabu then. So every time I want to go and drop him in King's College, he said, no, don't come. I will enter bus. But it's a car. And that's what God gives me. A man was preaching sermon. Three good days doing the work of God. Sweating, praying. And the people he was preaching to were hungry. All God could provide was five loaves of bread and two fish. If it were you, will you continue? Five loaves. After preaching for three days with 5,000 members. And he said, God, provide for me to feed these people. God saw bakery. He owns the bakery. All the bread in the world. And he gave him two. Five loaves of bread. Is that not wickedness? That's what you call it. That's what God can give to 5,000 people after you have preached. Don't you ask yourself the question? 
But God wanted to see how he will manage that little resources. And the Bible says, he began to manage it. It fed them. And the remaining pieces, he did what? He gathered them. God said, you are a good manager. The other time again, 4,000 were hungry. God says, you see the basket that you got at that time, that's what you will use to feed this other 4,000. God withhold his resources from poor managers. So if God's resources has not been handed over to you, it's because you are a poor manager of resources. Number two, God does not allow growth. He does not allow expansion where there is poor management of resources. No matter how you pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, enlarge this department. Enlarge this department. Enlarge this department. You go to camp. You come back. God does not allow growth or expansion in a place where the people are poor managers. God gave you ten souls. You have not visited one of them to encourage them. You are asking God to expand the church. Have you seen people that have 5,000 members? Sometimes when I watch some of those people, I say, God, this guy deserves what you gave to them. Day in and day out. Have you seen Bishop Oyelik go for evangelism in the village? Marking souls. I say, truly, to whom much is given, much is expected. God will not allow expansion in your home, in your business, when you are a poor manager of resources. My prayer every time is that God bring men. He said the things that I have given to you, the blessing that I have given to you, the grace that is upon your life, pass them over to who? To faithful men and women who are able to do what? To teach others. So if that grace has not entered you, it means you are not faithful. So it is not passed to you. If that blessing is not working in your life, if you are not carrying what God gave to your pastor, it's because you are not faithful. He said, Timothy, those resources I gave to you, they are not meant for faithful people. They are not meant for irresponsible people. The grace, the things I have given you that I have taught you, commit them to loyal, to faithful Men and women of integrity, of responsibility, of innovation, of creativity, of productivity. Commit it to them. Not to unfaithful men. So if the purpose of this work has not been given to you, it's because you are not faithful with what God has given to you. Say, God, whom are you going to put the money of this work in their hands. Listen to me. The master in a company doesn't hold the money of that company. If you are the managing director or you are the director general, CEO of a company, the treasury of that company is never in your hands. An accountant holds it. He knows how much is there. And every time you need money, you go and meet the accountant. The accountant does what? He brings it out. When you see people sponsor God's work, it's because God has seen them faithful. Many want God to give them money. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. How kingdom conscious and focused are you? So if the money to run this work is not in your pocket, it's because you are not faithful. The grace to carry that money is not given to you. He said, commit them to faithfulness. God, resist growth, resist expansion in a place, in a man's life that lacks resource management. Number three, and I close. I'm going to tell you on Wednesday what does it mean to manage. So I believe you'll be in church on Wednesday. Number three, God does not answer the prayers 
of wasters. God does not answer the prayer of mismanagers of resources. There are many that pray too much. Prayer doesn't bring money. Prayer doesn't bring blessings. He shall serve the Lord their God. He will bless. He will bless your bread. Bless your water. If you serve, that word serve, he called the servant. And I told you what tea worship is. That word servant is a man that manages the resources of another. That is faithful, loyal in managing. Those are the people that God bless. Their water and their bread. And it takes away sickness from them. They don't need to pray. If God makes me heal, who will take care of his money? If the accountant of a company is healed, the thief will rob that company. So for the sake of the man that owns the company, he will always make sure that the accountant is in good health. The Bible says, the prayer of the wicked is an abomination to God. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8. The prayers of the wicked is an abomination to God. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to God. And who is a wicked man? The first came back. Master, you gave me five. I have brought two. I mean, ten. Master, you gave me two. I have duplicated it to five. The one that was given the resources, he mismanaged it. Jesus called him, thou wicked. Thou wicked. A wicked man is not a fornicator. A wicked man is not a liar. A wicked man is a waster of resources. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the ways of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruits that is productive in every season. And whatsoever he doeth shall be what? Shall prosper. But the wicked are not so. The mismanager of resources, the mismanager of their body, using their body for illegal things, carnal things. You have been bought with a price. The wicked are not so. The mismanager of God's resources, God's property, have you seen the way people handle God's property in church? The fan, the speaker, they kick it. The Bible says their prayers will be an abomination to God. Someone said to me within the week, he said, Pastor, is the person playing the keyboard? Let him go and repair it. I said, so if he doesn't repair it, all of us will come here on Sunday and there will be no keyboard. In your father's house and you will be happy if that business is your own will you leave it like that and i said to them put the keyboard in my car and everybody started talking no pastor you can't carry it jesus said don't you know i ought to be in my father's business it's my father's not your father my father not our father my father so this work is my father's business whoever doesn't do my father's business well i take it i close i lived with a stepmother and the woman my mother married my, my father married when my father married her she brought in two children from outside one girl one boy from small and they were living with us and nobody knew they were not my father's children. We grew up together. Like the way a chicken and an eagle would grow together. And they were growing. And all of a sudden, my father sent them to school, gave them the best. We started having family problems. 
my father's business ministry started shaking things became tough it was testing time we parked out of the flat we stayed and we went to first start to squat with my father's friend my father's property was scattered we arranged it arranged some in some of my father's friend's house and my father was hustling trying to see how he will bring all of us together again and the, my father's friend's house we were staying he has one notorious son I said chief one day I went out to look for job to do bricklayer work after finishing my own level before getting admission to the university as I was coming back I met one of those stepson agree with us he was outside with that notorious boy my father's friend's son you know what they did the rug in our house and then the radio in our house I saw him carrying my father's property and he was going to Agboju Amu to sell it to Mala and they saw me on the road I said where are you going he said, will they go sell these things now? Will they go sell them? You can make some money. You know, say, Papa don't live on for house. It doesn't mean anything to him because it's not his father's property and he has no inheritance there. It's my father's property. He's enjoying selling my father's property and I said to him, you want to sell my father's property while I'm alive? Why didn't Suzuki follow you to take his own father's property and i told suzuki he's bigger than me i said don't your father have rock at home why didn't you roll your father's rock you followed this bastard you bastard came into my father's house to sell my father's property the two of them were bigger than me and i took the rock from them i would have killed one of them that day it's my father's property there are bastards in the church that came to useless your father's property and we can differentiate the bastards from the real children when you walk up into your father's house and you saw them trading in your father's house selling meat and all manners of things what did jesus do he took whip who told you those people selling were not christians they were coming to church they were in the synagogue jesus began to flog them was he the only child of God there? No. And he said, My father's house should be called what? The house of prayer and not the house of thieves. And he chased them out. When you are in church as a brother, as a sister, you see somebody mismanaging your father's property, fornicating with a sister in the church, your father's property, and you keep shut. You are a bastard, you are not a child. It not consign me. It means you were never part of that family from day one. When you see somebody misusing your father's property, he said, "Now our church now, it is not our church. It's my father's business, and the way I manage my father's resources will determine whether I will have an inheritance." You know what happened? After about some years, my father picked up. And one day we heard that that boy's father in Benin has died. My stepmother's children that she brought. So this boy had a father, and the father abandoned them for almost 30 years for my father to train them. And when the father died, he was the only boy of his father. The father had how many girls from another woman? But this, my father's wife, was the only one that gave a boy. So they will the whole of the property to him as soon as his father died they called him to Benin after 30 years and he went to collect his father's property but he was selling my own father's property is God your father you know what it means to do kingdom business some of you don't see this work and the resources as God's father I see you as God's property I followed a, a boy here to go and see his girlfriend because I was winning soul. 
father's child. And I can't watch my father's child be taken away by the devil. You are my father's property. And I will manage you. You are my father's property. And I will manage you. I won't give up on you. You are part of the resources that God gave me to manage. I won't allow one bastard to come and sleep with you and useless you. And tomorrow, he will not go and look for another good sister there after destroying my own daughter and my own sister. It's not possible. Thank you, Father. Happy, happy, happy we shall be. Hallelujah. Happy, happy, happy we shall be. Hallelujah. Happy, happy, happy we shall be. In my father's house, in 